eerie music. As you find yourself going deeper and deeper down the internet, telling yourself you'll watch just one more video before you go to bed, knowing that you should have gone to bed an hour ago, that's where you'll find the Dragoon Effect. Pokemon Legends Arceus TOLP. Game opens with a bright light. It welcomes us to its world, which is beyond time and space. It is Arceus talking. Now we get to create our character. There are only eight choices. We choose to be a young girl with blonde hair named Iwosa. Arceus says that if we seek out all Pokemon, we will find them again. We awaken in a kingdom hearts like free falling space. Arceus turns our phone into a bright light and then sucks us into itself. I'm so confused. Someone suddenly yells at us to wake up. Then asks if we are alive. It's a strange man in a strange hat. He has a Cyndaquil, a Rolet, and an Oshawott following him. Apparently we scared him by falling from the sky, but we are unharmed. We are wearing modern day clothes, which he finds strange. After a conversation where we explain that we don't know anyone here, he says he will help in some way. He is Professor Laventon. The three Pokemon run off. He asks for our help rounding them up. As we chase, we find what looks like our phone, but with an Arceus-like outline. A message appears that says, I bestow upon thee this arc phone and thy mission, seem out all Pokemon. We then catch up to Laventon, who gives us 50 Pokeballs and teaches us how to catch Pokemon. Laventon explains that Pokeballs are a new invention and Pokemon are able to shrink down to a minuscule size. Well, that's one 25-year-old mystery solved. He then asks us to catch his three Pokemon. Clearly we have traveled back in time if Pokeballs are new. Apparently, people in this age are afraid to even approach Pokemon. After catching them, Laventon tells us of his dream to get a record of all Pokemon in the area called a Pokedex. Laventon invites us to Jubilife Village. Could this be the birth of Jubilife City in the Sinnoh region? The village is just two years old and most people are afraid of strangers. The professor vouches for us and the guards let us in. Something called the Galactic Expedition Team is helping progression. Wait a second, Jubilife, Galactic, this really is gonna be Sinnoh someday, isn't it? Laventon says he has to check in and asks us to wait for him at the canteen called the Wallflower. Our arc phone beeps, letting us know it can show us where to go. The owner of the Wallflower won't let us in. A boy approaches us saying he was resting after a Pokemon hit him with a thundershock. This boy is named Ray. Ray is skeptical about us helping fill the Pokedex. A woman comes out and says she will let us join. She is the captain of the Galaxy Team Survey Corps. Her name is Sillin. Seriously. She looks like the female version of Cyrus, the leader of Team Galactic in Diamond and Pearl. Wait, does this game take place in a timeline where Cyrus won? Sillin points out that we are 15 and old enough to work in exchange for food and shelter. However, we must prove ourselves. We join Ray and Laventon for dinner. Ray asks where we met and Laventon explains we fell out of the space-time rift in the sky. Laventon explains we are in the Hisui region. Laventon says that nobody in Galaxy Team is capable of catching three Pokemon quickly. He also says the one thing we know for sure about Pokemon is they are terrifying. Ray says they consider themselves lucky to catch a single Pokemon. After dinner, Sillin shows us where we can sleep for the night. She says if we fail our trial tomorrow though, we will be expelled from the town. We go to bed. In the night lightning either strikes a giant tree or made a giant tree appear. I'm not sure which. When we wake up, we go see Sillin. She tells us we must go to Obsidian Fieldlands and catching three different Pokemon, Bidoof, Starly and Shinx. Laventon then lets us pick a Pokemon. We choose Cyndaquil and name it Shusin. On the way to our test, we meet Bolo. They are the head of the Ginkgo Guild, which is apparently the go-to choice for mercantile needs in all of Hisui. They then challenge us to a Pokemon battle. Bolo has a Togepi. Shusin only knows quick attack. First hit is a critical hit. Shusin dominates Togepi after that. Fun thing about this fight, you can move around to see different angles. I wonder what would have happened if I stood between the Pokemon. Bolo heals our Cyndaquil and gives us some potions. We learn that whenever we leave the village, we pick a destination and tell Russ the guardsman. That way, if something happens, someone can come help.
Hooray for in-game explanations of whiting out and waking up somewhere else. We head off to the Obsidian Fieldlands base camp. No random battles here. All the Pokémon are just moving around the environment. Time to catch some. We catch the three Pokémon and pass our trial easily. Ray now believes in our abilities. Laventon pulls out a camera and takes a photo to commemorate the occasion. Okay, what time period is this? It looks like feudal Japan, but they have digital cameras. We report back to Cillin and she is impressed. We receive a Survey Corps uniform and sandals. We go change, as well as adding purple eye contacts to go with our blonde hair. We look awesome. Like Hatsuma from Shinobi, but without a face covering. We report back to Cillin. She tells us we can keep staying in the room she put us in. She also gives us a bandana. Squee. Adorable. Cillin then tells us to report to the commander on the top floor. His name is Kamado. He challenges me to combat. After throwing us across the room, he then says we have a lot of fight. Cillin informs us we begin as a no-star recruit. The more we add to the Pokedex, the higher our rank will be. Well, heck, given the ineptitude of the rest of them, we'll be in charge in no time. Cillin then gives us a recipe to craft Pokeballs. It takes one Apricorn and one Tumblestone. Heck yes, this game didn't let me down. Just like Kurt said way back in Generation 2 in Johto. Originally, Pokeballs were made from Apricorns. Yes 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 yes. She also gives us 3,000 Pokedollars, henceforth, I'm just gonna call dollars. Ray takes us to craft works and teaches us how to craft. Afterwards, Laventon gives us a Pokedex. We can now get requests from villagers. A guard wants a Wurmple, so he can get it to evolve. There are others as well. We head to Obsidian Fieldlands and meet up with Laventon. He says to complete the Pokedex, there are many research tasks to do. We have to catch and battle many Pokemon repeatedly. Ray informs us that Pokemon will attack us as well and teaches us how to dodge roll. After running around for a while catching Pokemon, Ray gives us a crafting kit. We can craft anywhere, but only with items in our satchel. Does that mean at a crafting station, we can use items in storage? The answer is yes. He also gives us a recipe for potions. After more exploring and catching, we go back to camp. Laventon explains that once a Pokemon research level is 10, its entry is considered complete. We also get points for research. We get a ton. We head back to the village. We give the guard a wormhole we caught. Because he was told it will evolve into a beautifly, he wants to give it a nickname with that in mind, but can't decide. We choose the best option, Eugene. I have a feeling that his wormhole is going to evolve into Dustox instead. We then report to Cillin. We show her our Pokedex and she grants us the rank of first star. She also gives us heavy balls in the recipe for crafting heavy balls. Hee hee. Ha ha hey 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 hey. Heavy balls. We also get a recipe for revives. We have dinner with Ray and Laventon. The professor tells us he keeps requests on the blackboard in his lab. He's holding out on us. The next day, Ray asks us to find him at the training grounds. He wants to battle and he has a Pikachu. We knock it out. After the battle, a red-haired woman named Zisu approached and says she's the captain of the security corps. She explains that if a Pokemon masters a move, it can use it in different styles. There's strong style, which deals more damage but your Pokemon will take longer to act again afterwards. There is also Agile Style, which reduces power, but your Pokémon can act more quickly afterwards. So, speed isn't the only determining factor in this game. It seems your Pokémon could land a number of moves before your opponent gets one. Zisu will also teach Pokémon powerful moves. Ray says he needs help with a request, so we leave the village. We get sidetracked for a while and end up earning enough research to rank up again. We head back and see Cillin. We have the rank of second star now. We get a recipe for Feather Balls as well as Super Potions. We head back out and catch up to Ray. He introduces Mai who has a request. She is one of the wardens of the Diamond Clan. She wants to fight us with the Munchlax she grew up with. We win, and Mai recognizes we are more than a standard galaxy grunt. 
She says an alpha Pokemon is causing trouble in Deertrack Heights. Ooh. What's an alpha Pokemon? She then asks if we know about Almighty Sinnoh. We say no. Apparently Sinnoh steers all time. It created the universe. Turns out alpha Pokemon are directly descended from Pokemon that were blessed with Sinnoh's protection. We go to Deertrack Heights and it's an alpha Krikatoon. We learn alphas are bigger than non-alphas and can know moves non-alphas might not know. It's only level 12, and we catch it easily. Afterwards, Mike points out a Wordeer. It looks like an evolved Standler with a Santa beard. Did they give Standler an evolution? The Wordeer approaches and looks at us with kindness. It then leaves. The Galaxy team sets up a base camp here. Nice. We have dinner back at the Wallflower with Ray and Laventon. The owner Benny tells us a rumor that a cleaver mauled some Galaxy members. Apparently this cleaver was struck by powerful lightning. The next morning the leader of the Diamond Clan named Adaman is seen arguing with the leader of the Pearl Clan named Arita. Ray tells us Commander Kamado wants to see us. When we arrive at his office, Adaman and Arita are politically talking about Cleaver, who is a noble in the Pearl Clan. That's confusing. After some back and forth, it's decided that we will investigate Cleaver and why it's acting strange. Sillin says to come to her office to talk. Apparently, these clans leave offerings for these noble Pokemon. Laventon thinks we should figure out what they leave for Cleaver. The Pearl Clan consider Cleaver the Lord of the Woods. Adaman comes in and informs us that they are having the same situation with a different Pokemon acting strangely by their home too. As we leave, a guard approaches saying they will teach us how to pack better, so we can hold more items. His lesson costs $100. This is the cheap one, isn't it? Sure was. The next lesson is $200. This guy's name is Bagan and he knows how to turn a profit. We spend $4,000 to add 7 spots. We head out to the field lands and do a bunch of research. We can rank again. We head back to Sillin and are now 3rd star. We can now use great balls and get the recipe for them. Heck yes. We make our way towards Cleaver and find its warden named Lien. We have to fight him to see Cleaver. We win, but he still won't let us through. Arita shows up and explains that I'm helping. Lien explains that normally he would put out Cleaver's favorite foods. We report back to Laventon. We follow Laventon back to his lab to discuss what to do. Laventon decides that we should throw Cleaver's favorite foods at it. We're going to craft food balls called tea time balls. Time to head back to Lien. First, we stop to get a new rank from Sillin. We are now 4th star. We can use Leiden balls and hyper potions. We also receive the recipe for each. Oh, a Leiden ball is a better heavy ball. As we head out of the village, my stops us and says we should head to the Heights camp. Adaman has been talking to Wardir about us. Wardir finds us worthy, so we are given a flute. It lets us call Wardir to ride him. Wardir then gives us a mind plate. We ride Wardir back to Lien in the arena. Arita arrives with the necessary food. However, she won't let us execute our plan unless we win a battle. She sends out a Glaceon and Shusen decimates it. Arita heals our Pokemon and we ask Lien to summon Cleaver. A glowing yellow Pokemon appears. It looks kind of like a Scyther, but with axes for arms and a knight's helmet for a head. This is actually pretty cool. We have to throw bombs at Cleaver and dodge while it attacks at us. Every once in a while, there's an opening to send out a Pokemon. If you do enough damage, you can just spam bombs without worry for a bit. We soothe the cleaver and get an insect plate. Cleaver then runs off. Dang, I thought I was going to get to catch it. Afterwards, Arita decides that the lightning that struck cleaver is what caused the frenzy. We head back to the village to report our findings. On the way in, we run into Volo. Volo notices our plates and identifies that they point to a mystery that might lead to something interesting. We head to Commander Kamado. He is already aware of what happened, but says there are reports of this happening to other noble Pokemon. At dinner, Ray gives us a recipe for smoke bombs. As we head home, a little girl named Bessa asks us to come with her. She says that hundreds of years ago magic sealed a monster away. However, the seal was broken and all of Hisui is in danger. She gives us an odd keystone. Oh, 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 are we gonna get a spiritum? 
Vesa says the seal broke into 107 wisps that we need to collect. Oh boy. She points us to the first one and the odd keystone absorbs it. Vesa says we can ask her for help finding them and will give us rewards as we acquire them. The next day, a woman is amazed by the hairdresser. She has the same style haircut as Mars in Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. Her name is Arazu. She is a warden of the Diamond Clan. We follow Arazu to Kamado's office. He says it has come to Ursaluna as well. Whatever that means. Apparently Ursaluna is a non-noble Pokemon that has also been frenzied. Kamado gives us a mission to study Ursaluna in the Crimson Mirelands. Silen gives us more information. We are headed towards the Solacean ruins. As we leave to head to our new destination, Ray asks for help training. Ray has a Mime Jr. and a Pikachu. Shusen single-handedly crushes Ray's hopes and dreams. Ray gives us a recipe for stealth sprays. Ray also informs us that there are space-time distortions popping up all over with strong Pokemon inside. He's scared, I'm excited. We head to the Crimson Mirelands. Laventon tells us there are lots of poison types here. Hum, I would have guessed fire. We arrive at the Solacean ruins and meet Calaba of the Pearl Clan. She's an old woman stuck in her ways. She says the way we calmed Cleaver was basically bullying it into submission. Bolo shows up and we battle. He then asks for our help finding the stolen wall engravings from these ruins. The bandits are called misfortunes. Miss, like a lady, it's great. We also learn that Calaba is 99 years old. We come across an old campfire and three ladies pop out at us. It's the bandits. They're named Charm, Clover and Coin. They are sisters. Coin sends out a Toxicroak. Snorlax then headbutts it into oblivion. We get the wall fragment back. We return the fragment. Calaba then asks for our help in calming Ursaluna. She tells us to head to Sludge Mound. We head nearby and someone has a request for help setting up a new camp nearby. Awesome. We do that and now we have a camp by Sludge Mound. We also can rank up, so we head back to the village. We are now fifth star. We get the recipe for wing balls. Back to Sludge Mound. Along the way, Shusen evolves into Typhlosion. Woohoo. Shusen is now fire and ghost type. That's a fun combination. He also looks super sad though. Caliba meets us at Sludge Mound. She plays her flute and an enraged Ursaluna shows up. This looks like a grizzly bear with turkey feather design around its midsection. This Pokemon is not like Cleaver though. It isn't glowing yellow and we just enter a battle. Caliba says we are not allowed to catch it. Caliba gives the defeated Ursaluna a Toxie gun in case any poison is causing the issue. We play the flute and receive an earth plate. We can call Ursaluna to dig for treasure. This mechanic in-game makes me paranoid. I either do it everywhere or never do it. Oh, Ursaluna will sense treasure, so it's not like getting a shovel in Zelda. We test it out and find old verse 9. It's part of a series of poems. No, no 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 no. Not gonna do this. Too many collectibles. In battle Shusen has a ghost fire main and it is glorious. We return to the village and Ray tells us to get to the commander's office quickly. Adaman is there saying their Lilligant is in a frenzy and Arazu kept it a secret. Kamado is worried that Arazu was involved with Ursaluna and possibly trying to start a war between the Diamond and Pearl clans. Iwosa has the great idea of using Ursaluna to sniff out Arazu. Adaman is headed to Brava Arena where Lilligant is. We head to the Crimson Mirelands and track down Arazu. She sprained her ankle running from a Pokemon. Calaba shows up and apologizes to Arazu. Arazu explains that Ursaluna got enraged after smelling Lilligant. Arazu was trying to help and she even gathered ingredients to make bombs. We arrive at Brava Arena. I'm informed that Lilligant dances, and she might wear out from dancing. I hope I remember how to do this type of battle. Lilligant looks like a ballerina crossed with a flower. Very cute. This was like a Dark Souls fight. I dodge a whole bunch and eventually chip its rage meter down to zero. Lilligant gives us the meadow plate. We return to Kamado. He finds it interesting that lightning from the rifts that brought us here is causing Pokemon frenzies. He says we may need to investigate the rift itself to prove my motives are pure. At dinner, Laventon talks about how this is quite the life. Ray wonders if doing the same thing day after day is going anywhere. 
he then gives us a recipe for scatter bangs. In the morning, Erezu greets us. She's going to start working at the hairdresser's shop. She says we can start trying out her own, original hairstyles, hum, I don't know about that. Kamado shows up and says we are to come with him to Prelude Beach. Kamado is welcoming a bunch of people moving to Jubilife Village. After giving us a little history lesson of Galaxy Team, Ray interrupts. Kamado says to meet him back in his office. Fast travel to the rescue. Back in his office, Kamado tells us to. Whom surveying the Cobalt Coastlands. There are no nobles there. Arita explains that there was a lord, but a few years ago he was taken by tragedy. There are now reports of shadowy figures on the island the lord did live on. Some of the security and survey corps were attacked by a ghost on Firespit Island. Hmm, so, did the lord become a ghost or was it always a ghost type? One of those answers has drastically different implications than the other. As we leave the village, Lien chases us down. He asks where we are off to. Then gives us some behind-the-curtain politics information. Lien then tells us that stones have powerful properties. Yeah, we know dog, this isn't our first rodeo. The Cobalt Coastlands are gorgeous. Iwos's mouth is agape looking at the gorgeous scenery. Laventon informs us that Firespit Island is an offshore volcano. Oh, that name makes perfect sense then. He advises us to speak to Iscan in order to cross the sea. Arita wants to battle us for some reason. Okay, why not? Shusen wrecks her Glaceon with a flamethrower and a wild Eevee stumbles into the battle. The game won't let us catch it though. Sad day. Arita tells us she can't afford to look weak in from of the Diamond Clan leader Akamado, but she wonders how she ended up with the burdens she bears. Arita tells us more about Felina, the warden here with no lord and who will not raise a successor. She asks us to help Felina raise the Pokemon she looks after into a true heir to his father. Um, that's like a long-term commitment. After running around, catching a bunch of Pokemon, including a new Alpha Walrein, Iwosa realizes her bag can't hold enough stuff. We head back to the village. We learn how to fit more stuff in our bag, and we even get a promotion while we're there. Iwosa is now a 6th star rank. We can use Ultra Balls. Yes. Yes 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 yes. Finally. We get the recipe for Ultra Balls as well as a recipe for Max Potions. We head back to the coast. We met a woman named Gully who is looks for Yorick. We find Yorick being taunted by a Chatot. We defeat it and save him. Thanks to this, a new base camp is established. We run into Polina who has a couple of Growlithe with her. She tells us how the previous lord was taken by the water while saving its pup. Was it an Arcanine? So sad. She then asks which of the two Growlithe we think was its child. We guess the small one, which is correct. She says that witnessing his father's demise has left deep scars on his heart. Jeepers creepers. Tug on my heart strings. Felina explains that some in her clan want her to train him ruthlessly and force lordship on him before he is ready. She has vowed to let him live his life as he wishes. Wow. I did not expect a good mental health metaphor in this game. We tell Felina we are headed for Firespit Island. She says we will need the aid of a Pokemon named Basculegend in order to cross. She also says we need to speak to Iscan of the Diamond Clan. Felina lets us know that he lives on Apom Hill past Ginkgo Landing. Well, that's actually useful. We find Iscan living in a tent. He informs us that we need Basculegend's favorite snack. Unfortunately, it's impossible to make. He goes on to say that we need to catch a Pokemon that only appears at night. We need to catch a Dusclops. Dusclops needs to imbue the food with a dark pulse. Dusclops appears near the camp we helped establish. Well, that's convenient. We go catch a Dusclops and bring it back to Iscan. We work with Iscan to make the food. We follow Iscan to the beach. Felina shows up. I think Iscan and Felina might be hooking up. Iscan summons Basculegend with his flute. A large, flying green and red fish. We give it the food. Then we play the flute. Basculegend gave us the splash plate. We can now ride it across the water. We learn that on the day Growlithe's father died, Iscan and Basculegend rescued Polina. Now I'm sure they've been hooking up based on the rest of the interaction. 
Suddenly, the Misfortune sisters appear. They do their Team Rocket knockoff speech again and demand we hand over the Grawlitz. Ladies, you can just go catch one over there. Felina gives them a rowdy insult about their intro being annoying. Suddenly, a Gengar appears behind the two Growlithe and disappears with the bigger one. They say they are retreating to their camp, which is in a place so miserably hot, no one will bother them. They're on Firespit Island, aren't they? Yes, yes they did. Wow, that's convenient. Oh. My. Gosh. Basculegen has a saddle with motorcycle-style handlebars. Adorable. We make it to Firespit Island. We make our way into the middle of the volcano to find the sisters yelling at Growlithe to evolve. You idiots. You need a fire stone. Clover sends out her Abomasnow, a grass ice type, in the middle of a volcano. Not the brightest bulb. She is surprised when I defeat it. Coin sends out a Toxicroak. Snorlax uses Zen Headbutt and wrecks it. Charm sends out a Raiden. Then Gengar. We kick her butt too. Afterwards, Clover says she healed up their Pokemon and can keep fighting until they run out of potions. Suddenly, the other Growlithe runs up. Felina asks Growlithe to return as it can't win. Iscan asks why they are head. Apparently Growlithe jumped in the ocean and swam all the way here. Whoa. He's a fire and rock type, so really weak to water. Talk about determination. He's following his inner lighthouse. Suddenly, we hear a roar from the distance. The little Growlithe evolves into an Arcanine. A rift appears and strikes the newly evolved Arcanine with lightning. The Misfortune sisters peace out. The three of us also haul out. Arita comes running up and asks Felina what she's going to do about Arcanine. Felina says she must protect him and asks Iwosa how to quell the frenzy. Arita explains about bombs and Iscan says he has some of Growlithe's favorite foods on him. How convenient. We approach Arcanine. Damn. Somehow its design is even cooler than how it normally looks and it already had one of the best designs. This battle is a bit unfair and not well designed, but we eventually win. Arcanine gives us the flame plate. An Arcanine appears on top of the volcano. Felina says she now understands, but then doesn't really explain it. We return to Jubilife Village to report to Kamado. He says that hopefully there's a way to close the rift. The next morning, a stranger approaches and says Kamado is waiting for us. We are to go to Coronet Highlands to quell a frenzied Electrode. During the meeting a man with long purple hair interrupts. This is Meli, Electrode's warden. As we head outside Adaman, leader of the Diamond Clan, wants a battle. He sends out Leafeon, who shoots and roasts. Cillin invites us into her office. She tells us Coronet Highlands is on the Rift's doorstep. We need to go to the training grounds for an individual to help us quell Electrode. At the training grounds is Arita, who introduces us to the stranger from before named Ingo. Warden to Sneasler. Apparently we will need Sneasler's help. We head to the Coronet Highlands. Laventon meets us there and says this is full of rock and ground types. We meet Ingo at the Wayward Cave. Melly comes out and challenges us to a battle to prove our worth. Our only choice is to decline. That's confusing. Melly goes on a diatribe saying the frenzies are Sinnoh's power and we should let them frenzy. We enter Wayward Cave and Ingo notices the torches that light the way are gone. Melly did this, didn't he? Ingo knows the route so wheel it doesn't matter. As we get close to the exit, Ingo finds all the torches. He says to wait here while he puts them back. We leave the other side of the cave and move ahead. We run Jay to Melly again. He is appalled we put back the torches he hid away. He again says that we must battle him, so we do. He uses a skuntank. Snorlax eliminates it with high horsepower. We enter the ancient quarry. Ingo says stones were cut from here to build a temple. We rescue an injured bronzor which allows us to set up a new base camp. We catch up with Ingo and he shows us how steep the cliffs are. Oh, Sneasler is gonna be a climbing Pokemon we can ride. Neat. Sneasler gave us a toxic plate. We eventually make it out the way to Moonview Arena. Phew. What a climb. We have to fight Melly again. This sucks, my team is tired. We defeat his Skuntank with our Skuntank. Afterwards, Melly claims to have forgotten what food Electrode likes. Adaman comes up and tells us, then scolds Melly. We enter the arena to calm Electrode. 
A bunch of Voltorbs fall from a tree. They see us and look shocked. Then Electrode falls down and scares them off. Electrode shoots electric balls that slowly follow you. He also summons self-destructing Voltorbs. There is a lot to dodge. After pelting him with bombs for a while, Electrode goes supernova and explodes. This dazes himself, so we send in Pokémon to do damage. Eventually, I pelt him with enough soothing bombs that he calms down. Electrode gave us the zap plate and then rolled away. Melly is in agonized disbelief. Adaman says it looks like Electrode feels relieved to be freed. Ingo appears and Melly asks why. Ingo has remembered some things. Basically, he remembers that people would bond with Pokémon and make careers of training them. Ingo is off to report to Commander Kamado. We also return to Jubilife Bilge to report. First we stop by Sillin's office to get promoted to 7th star. We can now use something called Gigaton Balls. We report to Kamado, have dinner and go to bed. In the morning, Arita and Adaman meet us outside our house. They are both here because they were invited by Kamado. Kamado tells us there is just one lord left to quell. It is Avalug of the Alabaster Icelands. As we leave the building, we hear Sillin scream and she's fallen on the ground. We look in to find an adorable Wurmple crawling in her office. She has her Abra teleported outside. We leave and hit up a crafting station. Gigaton balls are the ultra ball equivalent of heavy balls. That makes sense. As we go to leave for the Icelands, Ray challenges us to another battle. We defeat his Mr. Mime, Staravia and Pikachu. We head to the snowfield camp in the Alabaster Icelands. It is a winter wonderland up in these mountains. Snow everywhere, glistening on trees. Laventon tells us the arena is far off, then Arita and Adaman stroll up. Adaman asks Arita how she isn't freezing in her sleeveless dress. She says she's practically sweating. Ah, my type of character. I also am a heat furnace in real life. Arita says we are headed to meet her teacher Garrick. We make the trek through an ice tunnel and eventually find the gang. We meet Garrick who is Avalug's warden. Garrick complains that the frenzied Avalug hasn't hurt anyone. He challenges us to a Pokemon battle. He uses a Glalile and a Frostlass. Both are ice types. We win easily thanks to Shusen. Garrick says we need to get some eternal ice to help quell Avalug. Adaman says we will need Braviary to reach it. We need to seek out Sabi. We need to head towards Snowpoint Temple to find her. Sabi suddenly appears and says she must lead us on a chase. Looks like we have to catch her. While chasing after her, we run into Bryce. He was supposed to meet up with Craig of the Construction Corps. We conveniently find Craig nearby. Together, they build a really necessary base camp. Thank goodness. We arrive at Snowpoint Temple and she runs inside. The guard says we are allowed in, but need to solve the puzzle inside to continue. We need to notice the stone statues and the patterns on their chests. The first room has two rows of statues facing each other with patterns of rock, ice and then steel. We go up some stairs. There is a rock statue facing a steel statue facing an ice statue facing a wall. We touch the panels on this wall in the order of rock, steel, ice and it opens, like Final Fantasy X. Behind the wall we find an ice statue facing a rock statue facing a steel statue facing a different rock statue facing an ice statue facing a wall with panels. In this new room we have steel, ice, rock, ice, steel, rock. They try to be a little tricky by making you run around walls, but it's pretty easy. We finally catch Sabi who challenges us to a battle. She has Rhyperior, Magmortar and Electivire all at once. I only get to use one Pokemon. That's not fair. Fortunately, the Rhyperior is level 50 and the other two are level 30. So, it's not so bad. We follow Sabi to the top of the temple where we fight Braviary. Our Electrode one-shots it. Sabi teaches us the flute song for Braviary. Braviary gives us the Sky Plate. We glide with Braviary from the temple down to the Eternal Ice and get a piece. Garrick has climbed the unclimbable ice to be up here as well. We give him the Eternal Ice. He says to meet at Ice Peak Arena. We catch up to Garrick and Bolo is there. He tells us about Avalug being able to summon large icicles. Garrick makes us some bombs. Garrick reminds us we will need unrivaled dodging ability. 
Time to spam that Y button and summon my Dark Souls abilities. Wow, this Avalug is gigantic. It's like a small house. We quell Avalug and he gives us the icicle plate. The Pearl and Diamond clan leaders seem to be more friendly. Time to report to Kamado. Kamado is glad the lords have been quelled. He says that tomorrow dawn will come on a day of normalcy. Sounds like foreshadowing to me. He tells me to eat at Wallflower and get a good sleep. In the night there is a loud bakun. Outside, it appears that the rift in the sky is growing even more. Laventon says a dreadful energy is coming from the rift. Kamado accuses Iwosa of causing the frenzied and then quelling them to gain the trust of the people of Hisui. Adaman and Arita both speak up in our defense. Kamado says we are banished from the village until we can explain the calamities and return the world to peace. Wow, what an about face. Outside, Laventon and Ray are absolutely shocked. Silen escorts us out. Silen gives advice that is good for everyone and their mental health. You cannot control how others view you, you can only control how you hold to your values. Ray suggests we seek out Lien the first warden we met. Lien asks what we've done to make the rift act more dangerously. We tell him that we need help. He says that due to the red tape, he can't help you, but warden my might. We catch up to warden Mai. Mai says if the diamond clan took us in, they could end up at war with the galaxy team. As we ponder what to do, Bolo approaches. Bolo says they have a perfect hideaway we can use. Bolo leads us to an out-of-the-way hideout owned by Mistress Kajita. After introductions, Kajita says she will be able to fulfill her duty at long last. She says that she is to guide us, because we have the task of preventing great disaster. Kajita tells us what we must do. There are three lakes of great importance, Lake Verity, Lake Valor, Lake Acuity. Those are the lakes where the Lake Guardians reside in the Diamond and Pearl games. She says each lake has a guardian and we must face their trials. Then, we might receive the red chain and we can use it to bind the world together. Oh wow, that's what Cyrus tried to use in our previous TOLP. Suddenly, an Abra cries out from outside. It has a letter for us. It's from Sillin. She says we can use Pokemon as a go-between for the pastures in Jubilife. I think this means that her Abra will teleport our Pokemon to us. Adaman and Arita show up and say we can choose one of them to help us on the down low. I gotta go with my fellow cold lover, Arita. Adaman says he has the hard job now. He will keep an eye on Kamado. We decide to head to Lake Verity first and Arita will meet us there. When we arrive, Bolo tells us this lake uses to be a volcano. Mesprit protects this lake. We show our arc phone to a big rock and an entrance appears. We go inside and there an Alpha Gudra inside. Instead of Dragon Poison, this Gudra is Dragon Steel. We catch the Alpha Gudra and Mesprit appears. Mesprit uses its psychic abilities to plainly tell us to share our emotions with it. We agree. It asks us some questions and we answer. We then receive Mesprit's plume and it vanishes. We return to the retreat. There's some philosophical debate and we are then off to Lake Acuity. Here, Bolo tells us that somehow this lake also contains seawater. Nobody knows how. This lake is protected by Yuxi. We open the cave with our phone again. Inside is an Alpha Hisui Zoroark. It has normal ghost typing. That's really interesting. We catch Zoroark and Yuxi appears. Yuxi says they will test our knowledge. Yuxi names Kombi, Zubat, Unknown, Magneton Dusclops. Then asks how many eyes they have. To answer individual and all at once. I know this one. It's 60,131. We receive Uxie's claw, Yuxi vanishes and we return to the retreat. Bolo informs us that someone saw a Pokemon through the rift and Kamado has raised an army to subdue it if needed. We head off to, to the final lake, Lake Valor. Bolo says it was formed by a volcanic eruption like Lake Verity. This lake is protected by Azulf. We use our phone to open another cave. Wow, this is a convenient device. Inside is an Alpha Overquill. This Pokemon is completely new to the franchise and is an evolution of Quillfish. It is definitely a bigger, pointier version of Quillfish. It is Dark Poison type. Snorlax put in work on all three of these trials. Wow, what a terrific Pokemon. We catch Overquill and Azulf appears. 
Azulf says to show unyielding will. Strike it if we can. Bombs appear for us to throw. Azulf teleports away as bombs approach it. Azulf asks if we will abandon this folly. Considering it wanted to see unyielding will, I'm assuming I have to say no and just keep going. This happens thrice, and then I hit Azulf with a bomb. We receive Azelf's fang. With all three pieces needed for the red chain, we need to head to the shrouded ruins. At the shrouded ruins, the gang is trying to figure out what to do. Suddenly, Kajita shows up. She doesn't know what to do either. Almost in response, the lake guardians arrive. They start glowing red and forge the red chain for Iwosa. Bolo then tells us they receive sword that Kamado is going to climb Mount Coronet himself. We return to Jubilife village. We run into Rei who is glad we are still alive. Rei runs off to get Laventon and Kamado. Laventon informs us that Kamado has already left for Mount Coronet. We report to Silen for now. We explain about the red chain. Silen tells us to go to Mount Coronet and put an end to all of this. We are officially reinstated. Rei asks if she is sure, to which she properly responds that if Kamado didn't want her to make decisions, he wouldn't have left her in charge. We leave to head to Mount Coronet. We run into Arita who asks if we found Kamado. We explain and she runs off to stop him. Silen gives us our orders. We are to head to the Temple of Sinnoh, use the red chain to resolve this mess and return alive. We start making our way towards the temple. We enter the stone portal, which is just a cave. Inside is Benny, owner of the Wallflower. He tells us that Kamado has forced him to oversee the food supply of this venture. Then Benny turns and says it's time to get rid of Iwosa once and for all. Benny uses a smoke bomb to change into a ninja outfit. He says that is quelling the Lord's made his blood boil. That we are surely a worthy opponent for his ninja techniques. Benny leads with a mismagus. Snorlax crunches it out of existence. Next is Sneasler. For some reason, it gets to make three attacks before we get a turn and knocks out Snorlax. Machamp takes care of Sneasler though. Machamp puts in a lot of work with bullet punch, but eventually falls. Sylveon cleans up. Last out is Belade. Wow, that's convenient. He's weak to fairy. Sylveon's strong style play rough one-shots it. You're done for Benny, and your mochi was mediocre at best. Ooh, the ultimate burn. Benny explains that Pokemon destroyed the village that he and Kamado grew up in. Benny asks us to save Kamado from himself. We come across Adaman and Arita. Adaman says to take the chain up and thinks the Pokemon threatening to come through might be Almighty Sinnoh. The three of us talk at least some sense into Kamado. He says that whoever is stronger will be allowed to execute their plan and challenges as to battle. He leads with Braviary. Walrain takes it out with Ice Beam. Next out is Golem, who manages to use two rock moves and take out Walrain. We send out Electro to use Energy Ball. Being Electric Grass type is so cool. Kamado sends out Snorlax after Golem falls. Electrode paralyzes it and then we swap to Machamp. Machamp punches Snorlax into Oblivion. Kamado's final Pokemon is Clefable. What a dangerously good Pokemon. We roll the dice with Machamp and its bullet punch. Machamp does some solid damage, but does fall. Electrode paralyzes Clefable, then launches its attack. Electrode is successful. Kamado concedes and apologizes for doubting us. Kamado asks us to use our strength for the people and Pokemon of the world. We head to the temple and this is definitely the same structure where in our TOLP we stopped Cyrus. Arita says she can hear a voice. It taunts us to catch it for the fight to come. Palkia suddenly appears and the red chain grabs it. We accidentally crit Palkia and defeat it. However, this just gives us XP and we have to battle again until we catch it. Phew. That works for me. We battle again and catch Palkia. I wonder if we had picked Adamant earlier if we would have fought Dialga. Palkia talks through Arita again. It says that space-time grows chaotic and the frenzied one comes now to fight. The others are worried that with the red chain destroyed, we don't stand a chance. Dialga descends from the rift. Kamado forces everyone to retreat back to camp. Laventon notes the lightning coming from the rift behind Dialga was the same that caused the frenzies. Arita figures out that both the Diamond and Pearl clans were following Sinnoh, it's just that there are two Sinnohs. 
After some debate on how to proceed, Arita explains that Palkia gave her information. The stone of creation's beginning. The chain of bread. The vessel of humankind's invention. Unite these three and calm the chaos now disturbing the flow of time. Then Palkia must be with us at the temple. Adaman says he gathered the pieces of the broken chain. Lavinton thinks the vessel is a pokeball. Arita says Lien knows about stones. Lavinton thinks for a moment and then says he might know. He asks to borrow the plates we have been collecting. The earth plate says that when the universe was created, its shards became this plate. Lavinton says we need to find ore with the same properties as these plates. Lavinton says we should call it origin ore for simplicity. Lien is summoned to the camp and says we need to head to the primeval grotto. Lien says he'll dig up the ore. Suddenly the thief sisters appear to stop us. We easily defeat Charm. The sisters run off. Lien gives us some origin ore. We return to camp to speak with Lavinton. He tells everyone to return to Jubilife village. After a bit, Lavinton comes running from his lab. He has created what he calls the origin ball. This will help us catch Dialga. Ooh, is the origin ball going to work like the master ball usually does? Or do I need to defeat Dialga and then catch it in a cutscene? As we head to leave from Mount Coronet, Kajita is waiting for us at the exit to Jubilife village. She informs us that Dialga is the ruler of time. If allowed to run amok, it will eventually destroy the world. She believes in us. We return to the Temple of Sinnoh. Kamado tells us that we have changed his way of thinking. We head into the final battle. In a cutscene, Iwosa throws an ultra ball and Dialga explodes the temple. Palkia comes out of the ball to attack. It's like a kaiju battle. Dialga changes to origin form. We are in a fight where we have to throw bombs at Dialga. It teleports and shoots big AoE attacks. Eventually, I pelt Dialga enough that we get a cutscene. Iwosa throws the origin ball and catches Dialga. The sky returns to normal. Adaman and Arita can't believe we did it. Everyone else is very excited. Kamado says that we were able to overcome this calamity because we worked together. Which we actually did. Not like in Yu-Gi-Oh where the quote-unquote friendship created magic to happen. Kamado says this caps for a celebration and festival. Roll credits. The end. Thanks for joining us. Dramatic pause. Dramatic pause. Dramatic pause. Dramatic pause. Dramatic pause. Psyche. This is a Pokemon game, there is always more to do after the credits roll. Arceus calls out to us to meet every Pokemon. Long story short, we collect the remaining plates except for one. In our search for it, we head back to the Temple of Sinnoh. Bolo says he is the one who caused the rifts because he wanted to meet the Pokemon Giratina. He wanted to use Giratina to get to Arceus in order to remake the world. We battle him, win and collect the final plate. Then, Giratina appears. Without any rest, we fight Giratina. After it wins, it transforms into a new form and we start another fight with no chance to heal. We defeat Giratina and save the world again. Later, after catching every Pokemon, we can play the flute at the temple. Stairs appear that lead to Arceus. This is another bombs-type battle. Then we catch a piece of Arceus that is an Arceus Pokemon. I suppose it's the mythology's explanation for being able to contain God, in that's it's not fully God. Anyways, thanks for the staying for the post credit story.